Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. I guess we could start to ask a question around, so your customers, what part of their past would they want to relive? It's funny in part because it is such a common phenomenon. People look back on their childhood and talk about how terrible it was. You know, we used to walk, have to walk uphill both ways in the snow and all this stuff. But people are clearly nostalgic for that. Nostalgia is remembering or looking back at earlier periods in our own lives and feeling good about it, right? So nostalgia is a, a positive emotion. So Ryan, you know that we do the study tours, which is where we take different organizations around to different companies, okay? Mm-hmm. And take them sort of behind the scenes. There's a store in London called Hamleys, okay? I don't know if you've heard of it. It's meant to be the largest toy store in the world, yeah? Huh? Um, like literally five or six floors down Regent Street in central London of toys. A bit like that. Uh, is it F- F.A. Schwartz? F.A. Schwartz, yeah, a bit like that. And we used to take companies in there pre-pandemic to have a look at their experience. And one of the, there was two interesting stories that came up when we used to take people around there. The first one has got nothing to do with this podcast, but I've got to tell you anyway, because it made me (laughs) laugh, was that the guy, when he was taking us uh, all around, he used to say to us, and when we find lost children, the first question we ask them is, were you with your mum or were you with your dad? If you were with your mum, we know your mum will be running around the shop screaming, looking up, <laughs> looking for the kid. And if you're with the dad, we know the dad's going to be on the fourth floor because that's where all the remote controlled toys are. <laughs> yeah, I hate to be gender profiled like that, but yeah, yeah. What's that got to do with this podcast? Well, nothing. But it was quite a good story. Um, But but the podcast actually builds on that because what we're going to be talking today a bit about is nostalgia, okay? And nostalgia in your customer experience. Let me carry on my story about Hamleys because there there is a story to do with nostalgia there. And one of the interesting things is, is when you look at the toy market, okay, because again, on when we were going around behind the scenes, the managers there were telling us that a lot of toys are constantly being bought by parents who want their kids to play with the same toys that they yeah. played with. And I think it was something like something like seven years, 10 years maybe, of a turnover of a toy. So if you think back, people still play Monopoly. I think what you meant to say is people still get into fistfights over Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. My brother used to cheat at Monopoly. I'll never <laughs> forgive him for that. He's left a scar on me. When you think of toys, and in fact, it's quite interesting because as a grandparent now, my wife, uh, Lorraine, uh, actually put in our attic all the toys, not all the toys, but some of the special toys mm-hmm. that our kids used to play with. 
and we're now bringing them down for our grandchildren to play with. And it's just surprising how much enjoyment they get from it. And not only that, it's surprising how much money it must have saved us because <laughs> trying to go back and buy all those toys again would have cost us an arm and a leg. Are you kidding? That They might make you money. You could probably sell those on eBay when the grandkids yeah, get old enough. probably could. So so nostalgia. Let's let's talk about nostalgia. It's placing in a customer experience. So maybe let's do the first bit of usual bit of theory. What is nostalgia? Nostalgia is a form of memory. So perhaps shouldn't have been surprising to me that you were interested in this topic for us, <laughs> given how interested you are in memory phenomena. Nostalgia is remembering or looking back at earlier periods in our own lives and feeling good about it, right? So nostalgia is a, a positive emotion. So um, maybe looking back on your your childhood, it's, it's usually looking back on a time that is now past, right? So if you're currently in a job, looking back to earlier times in the job, that's probably not nostalgia. Um, it's, it's looking back on a time that you've transitioned out of. So looking back on your childhood, looking back on your, maybe your high school days or, or your college days after you've left that. Um, so, you know, I, I, my wife often gets nostalgic about times when our, our kids were babies, right? She'll, sure. So look at, at old photos, for example, and, and feel very nostalgic about that. I was talking to my kids the other day uh, about um, pre-internet days because they're, they're millennials and therefore effectively were like the first generation growing up with the internet and we had the internet fairly quickly in our family. And I'm just about to do some nostalgia. But I remember in corporate life, I used to take in an in-tray into a meeting and sit there with literally a pile of paper a foot high and write on it, copy this to the team, and then pass it on to a secretary who would then copy it. And you think a copy of cells, I presume they must have gone down massively. But anyway, we digress. But I'm, not, I'm sorry, so, so you, were, you were talking about being personally responsible for clear-cutting forests. What, what else <laughs> were we going to talk about in there? But so nostalgia is, is positive, is it? Because that's an interesting point. It's not- it is, although, and this is important, the things that we're nostalgic about don't necessarily have to be positive. So yeah. we can be nostalgic about even negative events. Usually it's, you know, because we think about how far we've come or we think about what we learned from it. But people who have studied nostalgia, we'll talk about, you know, people who grew up in London during World War II when it was constantly being bombed and how scary it was and awful. But we'll still kind of feel nostalgic for that, not because yeah. they want to relive the terror of it, yeah. Because they they recognize the things that they learned from it or how close it made their family or something like that. It's funny, I, I was thinking about this the other day, actually. Were you getting nostalgic when you did? <laughs> or are you getting nostalgic now about thinking back on it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, I was actually thinking back to the lockdowns. Yeah. I was thinking back to the good things about the lockdowns. Yeah. And I guess, again, that's sort of a form of another nostalgia because I was thinking, yeah, you know, you couldn't go anywhere and you didn't feel guilty about not going and doing this or not doing that or not yeah. going and seeing this person or whatever it may be. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because as you just said, you know, looking at the Blitz or something like the pandemic, there will, will be things that people are going to be nostalgic about, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, when you hear... Uh, so, um there's a fantastic Monty Python sketch. It might be my favorite one. 
It's called uh, the Four Yorkshiremen. Yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with this yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. I love Monty Python. Then it was, it was. I used to live in cardboard box in middle at Roard. That's exactly <laughs> it, right? So it's these, it's these four. It's supposed to be older men sitting around, and they're all one upping each other about how terrible their childhoods were. But it's a distinctly nostalgic. <laughs> yeah, it's, I used used to have to eat a hot a, a yeah. handful of hot gravel for breakfast <laughs> in the morning, and, and then, my dad would thrash us to sleep with a bread knife. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and you tell the young people of today that, and, and they, they won't, won't believe, believe it. <laughs> it's funny in part because it is such a common phenomenon. People look back on their childhood and talk about how terrible it was. You know, we used to walk, have to walk uphill both ways in the snow and all this stuff, but people are clearly nostalgic for that. And they're, they're talking about it in positive terms about how tough or resilient it made them or how it made them appreciate the good things even more. So yeah, not everything that we look back on is positive, but nostalgia is a positive emotion. It's a positive reaction to those, those memories. And as I was looking back and thinking in preparation for the, this podcast, I was then thinking, again, doing my usual bit of going, so what? This is all interesting stuff, but so what? I started to list down all the things that are built up around nostalgia. Let, let, me te- let me test some of these things with you, okay? So actually, the first one was my son, who's 32, sent me a picture of a vinyl turntable. Mm-hmm. And you think to yourself, why do you need that, you know? <laughs> You got you got Spotify in your phone, you know what? What's the point of having vinyl? But there is this whole nostalgic thing about, and this goes back to that sort of touch and feel, doesn't it? Of holding a piece of vinyl, pulling it out the sleeve, the artwork, placing it on the deck, you know, the arm coming over, the needle going down, all those types of things. That really does start getting you to think about those things. There's a huge industry built up around nostalgia. You can even think about all of these reboots and remakes of properties that existed decades ago. The one that that is coming out or that came out recently around the time that we're recording this is a a reboot of the He-Man cartoons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these were very big in the 1980s. Yeah, they were terrible. I mean, they, they were... bad cartoons yeah just nonsensical and the animation was bad and all that kind of stuff and yet people who grew up watching them have a very fond memories of them and so it it recalls a part of their childhood that's only one example of dozens and dozens and dozens that we come up with they're drawing on these positive feelings that we have for aspects of our childhood or aspects of, of being earlier in our lives so yeah there's just there's a huge nostalgia industry out there let me give you some other examples of ones I was thinking of earlier. On TV, you get different channels dedicated to 70s, 80s, 90s music. I love all the classic black and white films, you know, things like Casablanca or Harvey or It's a Wonderful Life. When you look back at some of those ones in London, black and white films in London, and you look at the amount of traffic and you look at the fact that there's <laughs> hardly any cars parked anywhere. It's just crazy. And more recent stuff, things like even like Star Wars, mm-hmm. yeah, and Rambo. You know, I, I remember going to see the first Star Wars thing. And it, again, it feels like a, a rite of passage to take your kids 
along to those things and get them involved in those things? Oh, yeah. As a parent, I, I very much have experienced that where I'll force my children to watch mediocre movies from the 80s that they don't enjoy, but were an important part of my childhood. And so I feel like I need them to experience that too. Yes, absolutely. But it's that rose-tinted glasses, isn't it? It's looking back for the days that have gone and wishing to repeat them. But some of the interesting things I was thinking about this, because you're obviously right about this whole memory piece, it made me think again of, we went on a family holiday to Florida. This is 20 years ago. Whenever we go away on a holiday, there's always one piece of music that sticks. And there was a piece of music called It's a Fine Line by Hootie and the Blowfish. Mm -hmm. And if I play that now, it reminds us of that holiday, that vacation. And again, it just seems that there are some tactile stuff and some memories, even smells, that get pushed into your memory, that when those are played, it recalls that moment, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. We're so finely attuned to this as people, in part because nostalgia can actually serve some psychological functions for us. It can actually benefit us in some ways psychologically, and so we're we're sensitive to it. We seek it out. And so we might deliberately seek out these these cues. So if you're ever feeling down, for example, or if if one of your kids has to move away for a job, you might seek out those songs specifically because they will make you nostalgic because nostalgia can serve as a psychological buffer for us. It can help strengthen us. It It can make us feel better. You are our customers. We're always interested in hearing what you have to say and how we are doing. So we would be really grateful if you could take just three minutes and complete the survey of how we're doing. The link is in the show notes. Thanks very much. Cheers. Let's go back to that normal bit about so what and not just recommendations, but let's try and pull this apart a bit more because I'm sitting here going, yeah, great, but so what again? And for me, one of the things that just came to my mind as you were saying that was if someone's being nostalgic in a customer experience setting, I would really advise people to listen to them because people love telling those stories, don't they? Mm. And it gives you an insight into that person and an insight into what's important for them as well, doesn't it? I think that's great advice. If we're looking for kind of practical usage for this insight, for these theories, you know, think about the way that some firms leverage nostalgia. So your offering itself can be nostalgic. We've talked about entertainment properties that are like this, where the thing that you're making, the product or service makes people nostalgic. There's also cases, though, where people use nostalgia as kind of a halo effect. So if during your customer experience, you can make people feel nostalgic by incorporating some sounds or songs or or visual elements that give people this warm glow of nostalgia, that can sometimes then transfer onto your brand, right? Or onto your experience. There are experiences where people will 
or firms will incorporate nostalgic elements, even if it's not directly related to the offering, because it's kind of similar to including a celebrity endorser, right? People like the celebrity endorser, and so therefore they like your brand more. It can work the same way with nostalgia. Yeah. If people are feeling nostalgic while they're having your customer experience, that can like bleed over and, and make them like your experience more. There is this massive area out there, isn't there, for just developing products and services around nostalgia. Yes. In fact, here's an irony. The furniture we have in our uh, lounge in England has been notched as if it was antique. It's not. <laughs> Intentionally distressed. Yes. I guess it's like wearing those jeans that have got rips in them and stuff like that. It goes into that whole area of vintage things and buying yes. vintage things. Another example, I think, where organizations are using this, I've just bought myself or buying myself my first electric guitar. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to buy an amp. And the amp that I've been advised to buy is a Fender. Yes. And the Fender amps, when you look at them, they look like they're straight out of the 1950s, don't they? Yeah, yeah, 50s, 60s, they're all retro amps with the types of knobs and dials, and they're not modern looking, but given the choice, I'd definitely have one of them rather than something that's that's uh, much more modern looking. We're now pushing this beyond, I think it's related, but what when you brought up nostalgia as a topic, I was excited. I said, I've actually published a research paper on this, Colin, I sent it over to you. Vintage consumption is something that marketing professors research sometimes, and it's related to nostalgia. But it's even more interesting to that than that for me. So nostalgia is is when you have some pleasant memories towards something that you previously experienced, right? So right. some part of your own life. Vintage items can serve that purpose. So when you say vintage items, you mean old, old, basically. Yes. Right. So uh, so something that actually is from the 1950s. If you use it in your childhood in the 1950s, then it might remind you of your childhood. Right. What's interesting about some vintage consumption, though, is people will seek out these vintage items, these old items, even if it predates them. So they can't be feeling nostalgia for the 50s if they were born in the 70s because they didn't live through that. Yeah. But it still has these psychological benefits and these effects. So the research paper that we did, we looked at vintage consumption as a way of buffering against mortality threats. So so in other words, when we think about our own mortality, that can be very psychologically threatening to us. It's very disturbing. And so we've developed as humans a bunch of techniques to kind of help us through that psychological difficulty. And we found in this paper, and, and I don't want to get into the nuts and bolts of it too much because it gets a little in the weeds, but we found that these older items, these vintage items, help people to kind of see time differently. And it helps buffer against that. So one of the studies, we ran a bunch of them that were kind of like the standard experiments where you ask people to imagine various things. We also conducted one of these surveys in an, a nursing home with very old people for whom their eminent mortality might be salient. We measured kind of how healthy they were. We asked them various questions about their health. And we found that that people who were, were Did sicker- Did you ask and these so, questions very loudly? We, we were very nice about it. <laughs> but we asked them about- their health status, and we found that people who were old or who were more sick rather had a stronger preference for these vintage items, right? As opposed to people who were just as old but who were in sure. better health. It's interesting actually because as you were talking about that, we have a friend that collects antiques, which is obviously vintage stuff, I yeah. guess. And one of the things he sort of specializes is collecting candlesticks. You go around his house, he's got some candlesticks, like literally from the 1600s. 
Wow. One of the things he does is you hold it and he says, can you imagine being in a room and the only lightness was coming from this candle and everything else? And it does make, I mean, it does sort of transport you back. But again, that's not nostalgia, but it's putting you in a different place, isn't it? And I guess in that case, there must be stuff that's going on around, and maybe this is another show we should do, around collections and and collecting things, isn't it? That's the interesting part of all of this to me. You know, the idea that people feel nostalgic and or that they like old things, all interesting and good. But what's really interesting is that these reactions can serve a deeper psychological purpose for us. So by transporting yourself through time using this physical artifact, this candlestick, that actually does a number of things for you psychologically. That's very interesting to me as a a research scientist. What is interesting about that? The fact that you would think differently about time and that the passage of time would be less threatening to you. So is it a bit like, well, this candlestick has lasted all this time, so therefore I'm going to last a bit longer? So we've got another research project with the same research team where we find something very similar to that. So the fact that this thing has existed for so long kind of makes me feel better about the passage of time and that, that death is kind of less threatening, at least temporarily. Right. Getting on to another topic. I've been looking to buy some new training shoes. Mm-hmm. And there are these training shoes called Adidas Samba. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm old enough to know that when training shoes were invented, these were like one of the first ones that came out, basically. Yeah, classic design. Classic design and everything else. And A, it really surprises me that it's still around. Mm-hmm. But B, you go, I'd love to have some of those because they, they were really important to me when I was a kid. If you had a pair of Sambas, they knew the business, you know. And now I'm going, well, actually, actually, I like that. I'd like to do the same. But if we took the essence of that, it's the repetition of that experience from those days, isn't it? So again, if we looked at this from a customer experience perspective, I guess we could start to ask a question around, so your customers, what part of their past would they want to relive? Mm -hmm. And I'm now thinking if I'm in a hotel or a restaurant or something like that, where actually I'd like to go back to those days to even have a room without a television or to sit there with an old television and everything else. And you know that I love technology. Again, and maybe I'm being nostalgic now, but you go in the old days where you used to not have the television on every night and you just used to sit there and read a book or whatever it may be. You definitely are being nostalgic at this point. Yes. But I guess the point I'm trying to get to is going, if you understood your customers, what nostalgic things they yearn for, you could look at replicating that in an experience, couldn't you? Absolutely. And and there's these other benefits too that are related to that. So on average, when people look back in time, things seem more authentic, right? So yeah. you know, this is another nostalgic thing where you know, people talk about how, you know, how much better the food tasted and how much, you know, how everything was was made out of real fabrics instead of synthetics. And and the more technologically sophisticated things are, they also seem less authentic oftentimes. So by incorporating nostalgic elements into your experience or into your offering, 
sometimes you can make the experience feel more authentic too in that way. So you can make people feel more nostalgic towards it. You can make it feel more true or, or real in that way. Yeah. And again, I think it, if you look past some of that to the underlying, it's this bit about sort of an un, unknown thing again. So one of the things that people would say is people were more friendly back then. Mm. I was actually thinking, wouldn't it be nice to go back to the days before you would get on the phone to a contact center and they would say that your call's important to you, then you have to wait for four hours. Wouldn't it be nice where if you could actually pick up the phone and actually speak to someone? I'm being a bit sarcastic about it, but the point I'm trying to get to is going, well, actually there are elements of friendly, being able to talk to people when you want help that are at the core of some of those feelings of nostalgia. Does that make sense? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about nostalgia as being a memory construct, and it is, but it's also an emotional construct. And so there are a bunch of complicated emotions that are all tied up in there. Yeah. yeah, I, I would assume that part of nostalgia for many people is kind of a feeling of security that comes just from the fact that it was in the past. So you know that you survived it. And so therefore it must be, must have been okay. Right. So even sure. if it was a negative memory, like you made it through sure. that. And so some of that nostalgia is that kind of comfort or security, sure. um, those kinds of things. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if we were to wrap this up, what's our recommendation? What is it? What in the hell do people do? So what? So I would look for ways to leverage nostalgia in your experiences and in your offerings. Can your offering itself, can your experience itself be nostalgic, right? I mean, a lot of Disneyland is always evolving and, and innovating and there's always new things, but Disneyland is also like really heavy on the nostalgia. And so you're you're looking at these uh, rides that are the same as when you were a kid. And- yeah. It's a small world after all. If exactly. I hear that song one more time, I'm going <laughs> to... It's not changed since 1954. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, are there ways of making your offering nostalgia? Because people crave that. They seek it out because of the benefits that it does them. If not, are there ways of leveraging nostalgia as kind of being ancillary or, or, or alongside your offering? You know, can you include nostalgic elements in your experience or in your advertising or in your communication? because then you could potentially benefit from this this halo effect of people just feeling good about nostalgia and therefore feeling good about what you're offering. And I think for me, and building on that, that implies to me that you've got to do some form of research and you've got to try to, again, get under the skin of things and not just take what people are saying at the at the surface. You've got to dig under underneath it to find out what, is the thing that really makes people feel nostalgic? Is it the friendly bit? And therefore, is it just the, I don't know, in the example I was giving there about the, you know, not sitting in there watching television, is it the peace and quiet that you could replicate, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. So what's that sort of common element? It may not be that you can suddenly convert your, experience into a 1960s or a 1940s experience you can't physically do that but those common elements of friendliness or whatever else that drive those emotional things i think would be interesting in identifying 
Okay. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Please remember that we are doing this I'm in a pickle, which is, you'll recall, if you've got a problem, if you've got an issue that you're trying to deal with, then please just write an email to contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. Just entitle it, I'm in a pickle. And Ryan and I are going to pick out the problems that we think we can help you solve. And we're either going to have a segment on the show about them, or we're going to do a complete show about them and look at how we can solve those things and how we can get you out of feeling like you're in a pickle. Okay, good. Thanks very much, everyone. We look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.